0: The family who Jesus was very fond of. It says in John, John chapter number 11 in verse number 1. Can you put that on the screen for me? Now a certain man was sick. His name was Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. And it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sister sent unto him saying, Lord... Now watch this. Watch this. Everybody get this. Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. Watch what Jesus says. When Jesus heard that, he said, the sickness is not unto death. In other words, the ultimate end is not death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. How many of y'all would like to hear that when you were sick? That's good news. But watch this. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and who else? Lazarus. Two times you see it. They knew it, and the apostle John wanted everybody else to know that they were not just saying it. It was a real deal. Y'all with me? Now, I'm going to talk about a subject today that the devil's fighting me all day long. All day last night, he has tried his best to keep my mind thoroughly cluttered Uh, So I wouldn't be clear to help you with this, because if you get this, it's going to change your life. Listen, in this situation, we find a sickness. We find a difficulty. Father, I pray in Jesus' name right now that you'll touch us and help us. Lord, your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 In this story, how many of y'all know the moment that you got saved, you, you started a journey of faith? It started with faith, it is in the process of faith, and it will end in faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. The just shall live by faith. For without, it is impossible to please God. Are you all with me? How many of you all believe faith is a very important thing to God? Our assurance, our belief, our confidence in Him, our trust in Him. He says you're going to get saved by faith and you're going to live by faith. Now, faith is something that grows. It will stay plateaued. It will even decrease. How many many times in your life, y'all be honest with me, y'all be honest with me, how many times in your life have you found that you had less faith than you had before? A tragedy takes place. A situation takes place. You go through something in your life and you found out that you were having trouble believing God as much as you believed Him before. Am I talking to anybody? Faith has, a way, faith has a way of fluctuating. Faith has a way of going up and coming down. We don't go to a certain height and stay there. There is something about faith that needs to be fed. There is a living faith in every human being. And everybody's at a different level of faith in their life. And from the moment the disciples followed Jesus, from the moment they begin to follow Jesus and trust in Him, they began a journey of faith. They began a time of faith growth in their life that Jesus was concerned about their faith. That's why He said, when you face the fiery trials of your faith, think it not strange concerning you. Don't think that this is a weird thing that's happening. Don't think that this is an awful thing that's happening. You're going to go through trials. You're going to go through troubles. You're going to go through tribulations. It's going to build your faith because God wants your faith to grow. Now in this situation, in this situation, I want you to see just a couple things. I want you to go home if you if you can this afternoon and read this chapter. But I can't save time. I don't want to read every verse, but you'll see this. This is what happened. Jesus has friends that are twenty miles away. These friends have a brother. Listen, Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Lazarus, all three of them are dear friends of the Lord. He gets sick. They send a messenger. They send a messenger from their house to Jesus 20 miles away and said, "He whom thou lovest is sick." You know why? Because they knew he could heal people that were sick. They knew that he was the son of God. They knew that he was the master. They knew all he had to do was say the word and it would be done. And they said, "He whom thou lovest is sick." They didn't tell him what to do. They didn't give him lessons or orders. They just reminded him of his friend. Y'all with me? I'm going somewhere. And Jesus says to that messenger, go tell him, everything's going to be okay. This sickness is not unto death. The ultimate end is not death, but for the glory of God. Basically, it was good news. How many of y'all would like to hear that from God? Well, there's only one problem. There's only one problem. The day the messenger left to go tell Jesus that Lazarus was sick, Lazarus died. If you will study the chapter out, you'll find that when Jesus got to him, he was dead four days. If That that gives him one day of traveling because Jesus waited two days after he heard the news. And I've heard people say, why did he wait two days and let him die? He was already dead when he got the word. Think about that. That'll help somebody. Some people think that Jesus just lets us suffer. No, no, no. Sin caused death. He was sick because sickness came from the curse of sin. It was not God's fault or Jesus' fault. It was the sin curse on this earth. I need a witness. But the moment that Jesus got the message, listen, he said, everything's going to be all right. The messenger said, man, that sounds good. The messenger goes back. And when the messenger gets back, he finds out that Lazarus was already dead. What do you think that did for the message? What do you think Mary and Martha were thinking? What do you think? He's the Messiah, he's the Master, he's God. And you're telling me that he's not going to die, this is not unto death, but he's already dead. How many of y'all been there? When God asks you to believe something that is unbelievable, Jesus tarries two days. He's already dead. He says, all right, boys, it's time to go wake up Lazarus. And they don't get it. They think it's a, they think it's a physical thing, and, 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 and they, say, they say, well, you know, wake him up if he's sick and he's sleeping. That's better for him. Let's just let him rest. Because, see, Jesus had done got death threats, and they didn't want to go back. Jesus says, you don't understand. He's dead. He's dead. Because I believe the moment he heard the message, Jesus and his humanity prayed to his Father in heaven, and his Father in heaven gave him the word that Lazarus was dead. And he goes, and here they come. They come into town. And guess what, Martha is the first one they find. Martha runs and falls at his feet and said, "If you'd been here, my brother had not died. If you' had been here, my brother had not died nevertheless, nevertheless i'm going somewhere i'm sitting a table guys says this Martha says this nevertheless, whatsoever ye shall ask, whatsoever ye shall ask, we know that, that that God will give it thee. in other words, uh, even now we believe that You can. Now that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Y'all with me? Y'all awake this morning? That sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty spiritual. That sounds like she just come out of church. I believe. I believe. There's only one problem. In just a few moments, Jesus says, take me to him. Isn't it amazing in his deity he knew he was dead, but in his humanity he didn't know where he was? That's a whole other thought we can talk about later. They bring him to the cave. The Bible says it was a cave. And there was a stone in front of the cave. They had put him in and the stone was in front of the cave. And Jesus says this. Jesus says, move the stone out of the way. And guess who spoke up first? Martha. And this is what Martha says. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Move the stone, you don't understand. He's been dead four days. He's gonna stink by now. How many of y'all have ever had problems so bad they started stinking? And the problem was so bad in your eyes and it had gone so long in your eyes you thought it's done too late, it's too long, it's too far gone. Nobody, even God, can do anything about this. Am I preaching to anybody? Now, this is the same woman that a while ago, she is claiming, I, I believe all things are possible. I believe that even whatever you ask, God will give it. But now, when Jesus says, all right, honey, I want you to step out of your church shoes and step out of your real shoes out in the real world and act upon that faith that you just talked about a while ago, move the stone out the way, and she said, wait a minute. That really confused me. I was studying that and studying that and reading that and reading that. I said, God, she's got faith. In one statement, she says, if you had been here, my brother had not died. And the other says, I believe you. You can do anything. You can do anything. Just ask anything. God will give it to you. Why would she say that? And then all of a sudden over here, Martha says, don't move the stone. He stinks. It's, it's too late. That don't sound like the same person, does it? And you know what God spoke to my heart? There's a ton of people in this room right now you can come in here and sing Amazing Grace and believe for God but you can't go out there and live it. It's easy to have faith in the church house but are you going to have church in the schoolhouse? Are you going to have faith out there when God wants you to act upon your faith? I need a witness. Let me give you just a few things. Number one. And I'll do this quick. Number one, I want you to see a reality. A reality we understand. What is this? The Bible says that they said to Jesus, the, the one you love, whom thou lovest, the man, the friend, your, 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 your confidant, the one you love is sick. You know what that tells me, ladies and gentlemen? That tells me even with the favor of God on your life, it does not make us immune to difficulty. Preachers will get on TV and they'll say, if you're right with God, nothing will ever happen. If you're right with God, you'll never get sick. If you're right with God, and they, they need to get a Bible and read it. Job was the most righteous man in the East and he went through hell on earth, literally. Literally. The Bible says man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Just because you're going through a trial does not mean that God has fell off his throne. Just because you're going through a valley does not mean that God has abandoned you. God cares more about your character than he does your comfort. There can be love and suffering together because when Jesus was baptized, he said, behold, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But he allowed him to be crucified for you and me. I need a witness. And sometimes we get angry at God and say, "You, you if you'd have just done something, if you'd have just been there, if you'd have just answered my prayer. And you know why? All that is doing is revealing our level of faith. See, see Martha thought she had faith. She even spoke about it. She thought she was at a level of faith, but she was really not where she thought she was. And by the way, God knows what level of faith that you're at, but He wants you to know what level of faith you're at. And this reality is, listen, we're going to go through difficulties. Everybody in this room, if you're saved and born again, isn't it funny, when we first get saved, I mean I mean, the birds sound sweeter, the sun shines brighter, we catch every green light in town. Say amen. Temporarily. And then... All Hades breaks loose. Am I talking to anybody? Everything falls apart. Everything we touch messes up. Everything we go through. Dear God, what is going on? I'm saved. I'm going to church. I'm tithing my income. I'm doing everything I know to do. I'm serving on a team. Why is this happening to me? Has anybody ever felt that way? Listen. Listen. Having the favor of God and being in tune and touch with God is not going to make us immune to difficulty. Number two, write this down. Not only do we see a reality that we understand, I want you to see this. There's a resource we utilize. Well, what in the world do we do then? When we face this difficulty, when we face this hardship, when we face this problem that's got us fighting like cats and dogs, when we face this issue in our life that we can't seem to get over, what do we do? Well, I tell you this, Jesus gave them a resource. And that resource for our faith is the same for every human being. The Bible says, "The Bible says, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God." Martha and Mary were going to face a trial of a lifetime. They were going to face the trial of their life, the most difficult thing they ever faced in their life. And before they face it, Jesus says, "Everything's going to be all right." What did Jesus give them? He gave them His word. And when we face trials, when we face circumstances, when we face the valleys in our life, the one resource that we can always bank on and trust in is the Word of God. I'm asking you today, do you have a Word? I know you're going through a difficulty. I know you're going through a hardship. But have you found your Bible, opened it up, and said, God, give me a Word to get me through. God, give me a Word to get me over this mountain. Give me a Word to get me through this valley. God, I need a Word today. I'm telling you, a word from God will make you fly higher. A word from God will change your circumstances. A word from God, I'm telling you, I don't care how big the giant looks. I don't care how hot the fire looks. I don't care how big the teeth are in the line. If you've got a word from God, there will be nothing impossible to you. You can face any tragedy, any trial, whatever it is, you can get through it if you'll just get a word. He said everything. It's going to be all right. This, this sickness is not unto death. The, listen, the end result will not be death, but for the glory of God. And I know this is important. I know this is important because God spoke to my heart when I was studying this. Let's go back. Let's go back. Find that verse, y'all. Find that verse. I think it's 39 or one of them 40 where, 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 where Martha is speaking. Martha is speaking and her faith starts to flutter. Her faith starts to flutter. She had faith over there. She had faith enough to say, I know that all things are possible. She had faith to know and say, I know anything you ask can be done. But over here, outside the church walls, outside the church doors, out here we're really, where the rubber meets the road, out here, are y'all with me? Out here when God said, I want you to act on your faith, I want you to put your faith into action and move the stone out the way, her faith began to flutter. Now watch what he does. When she said that, he didn't say, don't you know who I am? Do you realize who you're talking about? Do you not?" He didn't do that. He didn't do that. Watch what he does. Watch what he says. Watch what he says. Go to the next verse. Jesus saith unto her. Watch this. Watch this. Don't miss this said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. Now watch, don't miss this. He did not remind her of who he was. He reminded her what he said. What is that? His word. About 1 o'clock in the morning, it's going to hit you, and you're going to say, Amen. Some of us think we need thunder and lightning, and God's saying, All you need is a word. Some of you thinking you need a sign from heaven and God is saying all you need is my word because my word will not return. My word is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Demons flee at my word. I'm telling you mountains crumble at my word. Your enemy will be scattered by my word. All we need is a word. Boy, I feel like preaching this morning. Do you have a word? Say, I'm going through it, preacher. Do you have a word? I'm telling you, all you need is a word. Find your Bible, open it up, and say, God, give me a word. I'm telling you, there's nothing like when God gives you a word that's just for you, not for the congregation, not for the church, not for the crowd, but a word that's just for you. When you get down in your quiet place and you're reading the word of God and the God of all glory, the God of all creation speaks a word into your soul, I'm telling you, it'll make you walk this high off the ground. Well, I think you're crazy. That's because you ain't got a word. I don't know. This sounds. This sounds awful. This sounds. No. Get your Bible and get you a word. I'll be in my office, and I can't stand it, because I'll get a word, and when you get a word, you got to tell somebody. Ask Jeremiah. Well, I've called him. I said, "Boy, let me tell you what God just showed me." Belisa knows it. I can't. I'm telling you, I can't. It's just there's so many Christians dying and falling apart. Because they're neglecting the Word of God. Listen, you don't need a psychiatrist. You need a Word from God. You don't need another pill. You don't need another hobby. You need a Word. Listen, the resource that's going to get us through this tragedy is a Word from Jesus. Not only that, I want you see number three, quickly. I want you see the responsibility we undertake. This is... Whoo. This is the hard part. Y'all, have y'all heard that part where I said this is easy preaching, but hard living? It's easy to stand in church and sing, oh, how I love Jesus. It's easy to quote the Lord's Prayer. Father, uh, uh, forgive us of our transgression as we forgive others. But it's a whole other thing to go outside the church building to that, that person had done us wrong and, 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 and hurt our feelings and, and hurt us and say, Brother, I forgive you. We got enough faith to come to church, but we don't have enough faith to take church out there. You may have enough faith to sing, sing Amazing Grace, but do you have faith to pay your tithes? Hello? I know we're in a bad economy, and I know people hate this and all, but I'm just telling you a fact. You have enough faith to come in here and look pretty, but do you have enough faith to forgive your enemy? You have enough faith to come in here and hear the gospel preached, but do you have enough faith to take the gospel to your lost neighbor? Listen, it's getting kind of tired in here, ain't it? You know why? Because God don't want you to play this. God wants you to live this. See, some of us are starting to see where our faith level really is. We thought we had a full faith tank and we're starting to realize it ain't where I thought it was. Because some of you holding grudges that are years old. What am I supposed to do? You're supposed to have enough faith that God is big enough to bring justice into your situation because he said, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and you need to lay that thing down because bitterness is killing you. Bitterness is the only poison you'll drink and hope somebody else dies. Do you have enough faith to let that go? Hello? Help me with that phone. That's the third time I heard it. Help me, help me. Listen. Moses acted on his faith and left Egypt. Noah acted on his faith and built an ark. Abraham acted on his faith and went to a place and offered Isaac his son. David acted on his faith and went into a valley with a giant in it. Let's quit talking about faith and let's start living faith. Are y'all with me? See, this is our responsibility. We can't play church. The world's going to hell 100 miles an hour. Do y'all understand that America is dying? America, I, 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 don't, I don't think we're getting it. We're living in la-la land. We're living like everything's always going to be, and everything's always going to be okay. We are in a mess in America today. There is going to be inflation It's going to hit our country like we have never seen, and I'm telling you, the judgment of God is coming down on our country while we play church. Amen. And tragedy's coming. Difficulty's coming. The question is... Do we have a word? Are we going to say, I'm going to act upon your promise? I'm going to act. If you say move the stone, move the stone. But see, some of us have stones in our life that's been there a long time. Are you all with me? What stone is God asking you to move today? What stone is God? What stone of unbelief, what stone of doubt does God want you to get out of the way? So you can make it through this trial that you're going to face. See, all of y'all are in one or three places. One or three places. You are fixing to go into a trial. You are in a trial. Or you're coming out of one. Now here's the deal. If Jesus loved them so much, why did he let, allow them to go through this? Here's the thing. Lastly, I want you to see this. I want you to see the revelation we uncover. Jesus said this. This is hard words, man. When I read this first, man, it just blew my mind. He said, now, now, now Lazarus is sick, and he's dead. He's, he's dead. He's died. And then he says this. He said, and I'm glad for your sake that I wasn't there. Because, see, if I'd have been there, I, I'd, 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 I'd have fixed him. If I'd have been there, see, sickness can't stay in the same room as health. Death can't stay in the same proximity as the resurrection. Darkness has to flee when light walks into the room. And if I'd have been there, I'd have had done something. But I'm glad for your sakes I wasn't. Does anybody see that as a little Weird. Now, this is the one he loves, but now he's saying, I'm glad I wasn't there. Is that not strange to anybody? Am I just the only one that's got a vivid imagination? Let me put it in your: Where was Jesus when he walked out? Where was Jesus when my kid got crazy? Where was Jesus when I lost my job? Are we starting to get anywhere now? But then he says this, that makes all the sense in the world to the intent that ye might believe. You see, this all happens for a reason. This whole thing is uncovered when we see the end of the story. Two things take place. Two things take place in this situation. What is revealed in this story? What is revealed in this situation? First thing is this. First thing is this. Write this down. I want you to see the person of Christ. Do you realize through this situation they got to see Jesus like they had never seen him before? Before they knew him as a teacher, before they knew him as a healer, before they knew him as a doctor, but Jesus wanted to see him as the resurrection. Do you realize there can't be a healing without a sickness? There can't be a resurrection without a death? Are y'all with me this morning? And he wanted them to see, I'm the resurrection. Well, they said, we know the resurrection in the future. Honey, I'm the resurrection right now. Aren't you glad that he's a right now God? He's a right now healer. He's a right now fixer of your problem. You don't have to wait for a future heavenly bliss. You can have your need met right now. Without this situation, they'd have never seen Jesus like they saw him. Do you realize you'll see God like you've never seen him before when you come through that difficulty? Job went through the the greatest trials of any human being on this earth, and at the end of the story, he said, God, I've heard you with my ears, but now I see you with my eye. I see you like I've never saw you before. Listen, the person of Christ is revealed. Not only that, but don't you see this? Write this down, the pursuit of Christianity. What is this all about? Why are we coming here? I was tired this morning. I didn't want to get out of bed. I'm serious. I know y'all spiritually jumped down and said, Whoa! It is Sunday. I get to go to church. I said, God, help us. I didn't want to get up. I know y'all more spiritual than your preacher. I was tired. Why are we doing this? Why am I giving why am I giving enough money where I can have a bass boat? I could have a nice bass boat. For what I giving tithes and missions and offer. A good one, a fast one. One that matches my truck, a black one. I'm getting a little carnal, Gabe, amen. Says bullet on the side, two fifty. Man, yeah! I mean, just you don't see nothing but a blur going by. But why are we not doing that? We got a purpose. All this stuff that we do, and praying, and giving, and, 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 and reaching, and witnessing, and preaching, and teaching what is this all about? Two things. I'll give it to you in a nutshell. Two things. Everything we do is for a purpose, and the first purpose is for your faith to grow. God wants you to believe him more tomorrow than you did today. Everything you face in your life, when they went through the storm on the ocean, when they was in that storm in that ship, he wanted them to believe. He walked on the water. He wanted them to believe. He said, peace be still, because he wanted their faith to grow. The whole point of the pursuit of the Christian life is for your faith to grow. That one day your faith is going to be put on trial and God wants your faith to grow. God wants every day of your life, listen, to believe him more and more and more and more. And that your faith to grow. And your faith will never grow unless it's tested. Why am I going through this? Because God's not trying to build your faith. If God is not developing you, he's disciplining you. But both of them have to do with faith. So how do I know the difference between discipline and development? It's, 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 it's not real hard because they feel the same. They feel the same. It hurts the same. Discipline and development, it hurts the same. But when you know it's discipline, it's because before he does it, he's going to say, Kendrick, this is why I'm doing this. You'll never whip your kid without telling them what they're getting a whipping for, or you shouldn't. If you do, you need, you need psychiatric help or come see me. Listen, if you ever correct your kid, you are, they should know why they're being corrected. And God will always let his child know when they're being corrected and what they're being corrected for. So if, if before you go through this situation, you'll know. But if you're living right and your heart is right and you're doing what you're supposed to do and it seems like you're just going through it, then God is strengthening your faith. When you get through on the other side, you'll have a faith like you didn't before you started and you'll be able to see God like you have never saw him. Listen, not only for your faith to grow, but this is it. This is the ultimate. This is the deal. This, regardless of anything, this is the ultimate pursuit of Christianity for the Father to be glorified. You're not made so you could have a good time, even though God wants you to enjoy your life. You were not created. You were not created for Him to be your servant and you to tell Him and boss Him around. You were created, you were designed by eternal, heavenly, universal creator, God in heaven, so you could bring glory to him. There's only one attribute of God that can be magnified. It's not his power, he's all-powerful. It's not his knowledge, he's all-knowing. It's not his presence, he's everywhere at the same time. He's omnipresent. There's only one characteristic of God that can be magnified, or that can grow, or have more of, and that is his glory. Glory and there's nothing that glorifies God than when an old sinner saved by grace says, I'm redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. How great thou art, how great thou art. When we recognize who we are and who he is, and we bring glory to God, that's the ultimate purpose of life. And see, when we get that, we'll understand that some people can bring more glory to God in three years of life than some people can in 80 years of life. Well, God took them out early. God took them out right on time. God has a plan for everybody's life, and that plan is to bring him glory. The Bible said when, when Samson, when he, when he pushed those pillars and he killed more Philistines in his death than he ever did in his life, he brought more glory to God in his death than he ever did in his life. If we could just understand when you're in the trial that our job is to bring glory to him. Are you making God look good in your trial? I'm going way long, but I'm not quitting because you need to hear this. You need to hear this. When you're going through a difficulty, does everybody at work think you're a big whiner? Does everybody at school think you're, listen, that, that, that your God ain't worthy to serve because you, you don't think he's good enough because everything you're going through you're blaming God for and, and you don't do nothing but whine and complain? Do, are they seeing glory to God out of that? Or are they looking at you in your trial like they did Daniel and they see a man who's still faithful, a man who is still praying, a man who is still glorifying God? Are we glorifying God in our life? Because that's the ultimate purpose of life. I know this is very... i know this is difficult this is a maturing message and some people are not going to get this but you need to understand something god is not going to let you go idly by you're a child of god you belong to him and he's going to put you whatever through whatever you need to be put through to build your faith and for you to bring glory to him and all god's people say father in jesus name help us now help us